0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the RevOps Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Jordan Henderson, and typically this is where I would say I'm joined by your co-hosts, Jonathan and Brandon, but they are actually not joining us today, although Brandon is our junior producer and is going to participate in the chat, I'm sure, and I will try to ignore those so that you all don't have to deal with him this week, but... We have a special episode today, and and I'm super excited because we're going to sort of do something wildly different to than our our recent podcast. And this is a very special episode because we have some very special announcements to make. So I'm joined today by the Chief Marketing Officer of Revenue.io.
1: William Tyree, William, do you want to say hi? Hey Jordan, it's great to be here. You almost said ring DNA, didn't you? I
0: was, I was so close. I had to pause <laughs> and think about it, but it, uh, it rolled off the tongue the right way. Ultimately, we, we we almost had to scrap the whole
1: thing. That's right. Great job with that.
0: De- uh, definitely going to take some getting used to, and and. Uh, over time I'm sure I'm going to mess that up over the next couple months and, and that's just going to be something we have to deal with. Um, so we want to do something a little bit different, right? So so we we we've just rebranded Reve- uh, RingDNA into revenue.io and this is a very intentional rebrand for a lot of reasons and and a lot of it's because of RevOps, frankly, right? Like that's, that's one of the things that, that's driving you know, this decision and, and what we're doing. And so what we're going to do today is rather than me sort of interviewing people and, and driving through the conversation, I'm actually giving up hosting duties for the first time ever in the history of the RevOps podcast to William. So William, go ahead and take it away. Let's do this.
1: Well, it's an honor and, uh, and a burden to kind of take that over from you. You do such an awesome job. But my hope is that today you actually get to talk a lot more than you usually get to talk. Uh, <laughs> I don't
0: think our audience <laughs> wants that, but but we're going to find out.
1: Oh, oh, there's pent up demand. You have no idea. Uh Awesome. Well, well, we will get to the rebrand in a little bit. But first, you know, I, I want to just ask you a few questions because I think this is a great opportunity just to, to kind of dive into a few topics like, you know, the the role of ops today, the, the role of rev ops in creating great customer experiences, all that kind of stuff. So let's start with an existential question. So how would you describe the mission of an operations team today?
0: I love. I love. We're starting with existential. By the way, I don't think we've ever done that. It's super exciting. Um, existential man. How would I describe the mission of an operations team today? Um, it's changed so much. The uh, like from a revenue operations team. My mission today is is twofold. Really, it's it's aligning my teams internally: marketing, sales, customer success, finance, legal, like everything that ever touches the board to my customer experience, and and that's that to my buyers' experience, right? My overall that's that's the end of the mission and it feels like it's a proactive strategic partnership now mm-hmm. which which is it's not how I would des- describe operations many years ago what how I would have described it years ago would have been i am keeping this plane in the air as it's flying right like i am doing the bare what what needs to be done to keep this plane flying and now operations is I am making this plane fly faster. I'm making this plane, you know, fi- fly with more fuel efficiency. I'm making like, it's, it's actually taking initiative to to make things better versus just trying to keep it afloat, which feels like where we were even three years ago in a lot of places.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And I think when you think about the, the, the history, right. Of, of ops roles, especially in B2B companies, Um, I kind of trace things back to an article that I remember way back when. It was in the 2000s. It was in Harvard Business Review, and I think the title of it was something like, How to End the War Between Sales and Marketing. (laughs) And and for years, I really thought that um, it it seemed like operations teams were kind of growing and flourishing to try to implement solutions that would get marketing and sales more aligned Often through data or for processes and things like that, but it felt like there was this incre- incremental process yeah. and and uh, you know desire to you know do things better, like route leads faster and more accurately and things like that. But yeah, it does seem like there the the ops uh, function now, if it can be called a function, but the ops team is really something that's far more strategic now than functional. Yeah.
0: Totally, and to your point, right? Like if I think about it now. And I, and I truly mean it. Like I, I'm, a, I'm, we have the revenue operations team at Day, right? And we are we are a standalone you know, function that is working with marketing, sales, customer success. In any given day, as an ops person and an ops team, I might be working on marketing things strategically, or sales things, or CS things, or finance things. All of it focused on a better buyer experience. Right? Super, super important. And I look back five years ago. Five years ago, I was a sales ops manager who also owned CS ops, which was an absurd thing to think of for most human beings in business because that just didn't exist. You had sales ops and another CS. There was a CS ops person and a marketing ops person, and and that there was no alignment between your teams. You never even spoke to those people for the most part, and that that we've come so far since then. Now that it's I spend all of my time with the rest of the ops folks. We we work on everything together and that gives us the ability to strategically align our teams. We're not just saying, hey, I gotta fix these problems for the sales teams. It's hey, this thing is working really well in sales. Let's figure out what we can do in marketing to better support that. Let's figure out what we can do in customer success to better support that, right? It's it's getting to that level of strategicness that that's really changed rapidly over the past few years.
1: Oh, completely. Um it you know you do so many things I mean your team does so many things and and I know that when I say you I'm also talking about ops leaders everywhere right but it, it, when you think about you know the things that you know you just could not live without today that ops teams deliver you know what what are maybe three top things that come to mind that are absolutely mission critical
0: Yeah it's a great question and and there's so many good revenue operations leaders now, which is which is really a fun thing. And there's people like Rosalind Santolina out in the world, like putting out incredible thought leadership content and somebody I learned from a bunch. And and they, they might have three different points here too. That's just why I, I love this, right? Like everybody's sort of trying and figuring this out and doing nice things. But if I had to pick three, uh, you know, num- number one for me, think, things that we provide that I think are, you can't live without. And once you live with them, you certainly can't live without them. Uh, data at the point of decision. Um, and, and I don't mean... Like, it, for me, this is sort of like a twofold point. I, I, people think of data at the point of decision of I need to look at data to make like broad company-wide decisions mm-hmm. and like mandates, right? And that's certainly part of it. Like those should be data-driven things and I should have that data when I want to make that decision. Sure. That's kind of like low-hanging fruit though, right? Like I think everybody agrees that, yes, I need data to make business decisions. Like Yes, of course you do. If you're, if you're not doing that. Problems, um, but but what I what I really like about data at the point of decision is micro decisions. And I think about when your sales rep comes in in any given day and they open up their call list, they have to make a decision. Who am I going to call first? What am I going to focus that call around? Like what what am I going to say? What's what's the value prop? What questions am I going to ask that person? That's going to help that conversation be better. That way I can qualify them for an opportunity. That way I can create some pipeline. That way I can close some deals down the road, right? Those are all decisions that they have to make. They're micro decisions, but they're still decisions. And you need to provide them data to make better decisions there. Because if I can power them with data, if I can have that sales rep open up their dialer and have, hey, this person came in on this campaign, you should call them and ask this question. And then they call them and they ask that question and the person answers and a pop-up says, hey, ask these three questions because that was a great answer and here's the three things to answer, right? I'm now giving them all of this data and all these insights as they're making the decisions in real time. makes that decision easier for them and makes the conversation better.
1: Once reps have that, they can never go back. And that's amazing. And I, and I think, you know, I, I'm glad you could put the example out there because I think when you say data at the point of decision, a lot of people would assume that's like, you know, in a meeting, you, you know, yeah. you're maybe you're looking at like how your sales funnel is going and trying to like see where people are getting stuck at things. Like you're actually talking about something that's really, I think, uh, critical and soon to be pervasive across business, which is real-time guidance. And that specific example, real-time conversation guidance, correct?
0: Totally. Yes, a thousand percent. and it's and, and once people have it, it is data at the point of decision. It is definitionally what that is because it's saying, hey, they've said this. We've determined that the best answer or the best follow-up question by looking at all of this data is this. Ask this. Ask this question. Because it's going to help you have a better conversation. And it's going to help you create more pipelines. going to help you close more business. It's going to most importantly, though, not just have a better conversation, it's going to help your buyer trust that you understand the problem they're experiencing. Right? And that comes back to, okay, RevOps is aligning us to our buyer's experience by using things like real-time.
1: Perfect. That's right. Okay. That was, that's long,
0: that's, that's that was one. That's one. That's one. I was <laughs> gonna say. That's one.
1: Okay. Hang you you said
0: you wanted me to talk more today. Here we are. I'm excited. It's an exciting announcement. So I'm I'm obviously very very peaked with energy <laughs> about about what's happening. Okay. Um,
1: so two more things that that Ops delivers that that you can't imagine living without.
0: Yeah, and, and they sort of layer on top of that, right? And so another thing that I think Ops delivers is scalable insights. And and that's sort of layers into real time and that sort of thing, right? The easy example there is I can go look through all of my calls and say, hey, we get this objection this amount of times. David on our sales team handles that objection with grace every single time. Like just perfectly handles it, right? Everybody else getting crushed by it. How do I scale that across my team? Because we obviously know how, we know we've, we've, made the insight that this is the right way to do that. How do I scale that across my team? And and again, I would use something like real-time to say, you've gotten this objection, answer this, right? And there's obviously like training components that go into that. There's taking that from a revenue operation standpoint, I would then take how David is handling that, over to the marketing team and say, hey, marketing team, how can we take our, tweak our marketing materials to field this objection before it ever gets to us, right? There, there's there's those pieces as well that revenue operations can provide that are just going to smooth the whole process, like reducing friction by scalable insights.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to, you know, we, we talk about across teams, right? And I yeah. think that goes back to even marketing. Like if you think, now what you're talking about is super sophisticated, right? But at a more basic level, but no less important in my mind, is what an ops team does for marketing. Like, for example, you know, if we get really granular insight into things like, you know, like uh, uh, success rates on certain types of NQLs, whether they're by territory or by, you know, by like account tiers or yeah. industry or whatever, um, we start to see patterns in there. Was like, wait you know there you know people are kicking ass in these two territories or these three segments what's going on over here you know we've got yeah. an issue is that an issue with our training of the person who's working that is it an issue with the leads you know or have we not even like done the work that we need to to try to understand that persona in the right way right so for totally. me that's that that's a scalable that's that's something where you actually help marketing scale um and, yeah. and what yeah amazing
0: Totally, and and um, and I think that. Uh, but you bring up a really good point because I think this is the thing that people miss: is that revenue operations provide scalable insights across your revenue operation. Because I think a lot of times, like a marketing team thinks, I need to I need to scale that insight to all my other marketing materials. That never gets down to sales. That doesn't get to CS right. And you, the same thing happens in sales; they don't push that stuff back to marketing so that marketing can adjust and scale better. But it's it's scaling it across the entire organization, downstream and upstream right? That, that's the very important piece there that's being provided. And and I mean, heck, we've had it happen here where, you, where y'all have been like, hey, we're running this campaign focused on this specific product and all of the people with this title are converting on it. Like they seem really interested in it. We're like, okay, great. Like outbound team, like sales outbound, call this title. Like, please call this title. Like it's working. It's changing our entire approach because we've found some insights on you. Let's scale it across the organization.
1: That's right. Absolutely. Uh,
0: and then lastly, which sort of makes sense, this, this one's may, maybe a bit of a, a stretch because it doesn't feel like you're actually providing something that people are like this is a tangible thing you're providing. But an aligned revenue operation, I think, is, is a very important thing to note that, that revenue ops is providing, right? Like we're actually taking the top down business goals. I'm not beholden to the sales goals. I'm not beholden to the marketing goals. I'm not beholden to anything else. I'm beholden to revenue.io's goals as a company. And part of my job is to strategically work with marketing, sales, customer success to make sure you guys are too, that we all are. That way we're all aligned and we're all making the same tweaks and the same adjustments and everything that we're doing is focused on the same results. And, And that way we work better together. I don't think that sales reps, if you ask the sales rep, hey, like, is this a valuable thing? They wouldn't maybe care, but it is valuable. And so I'm, not, I'm adding it to the list.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's super valuable. And I think that there's if I could, I think there's two components to that. One is I think that there's a lot of people who talk about RevOps out there and, and they kind of immediately go to how your organization is structured and titles and things like that. That is important. And I want to get back to that in a minute. But I also think that the way the way that most companies do this is through data you know i mean think about all the things we've just talking about it really is you know creating you know sort of data driven organizations insight driven organizations right so i i couldn't agree more i think that you can you can align these teams by having a common frame of reference common kind of north stars with you and, and that's with all this granular data that actually you know makes it possible for you to make these you know decisions on demand so to speak and and so forth but i do want to also circle back though and say that you know, we did a RevOps study last year. Uh, and one of the most perplexing answers on that was who's running your RevOps organization? And and <laughs> that was really interesting because almost everybody we asked was like, Oh, we're building RevOps. But when you asked who was in charge of it, there was like I think I think the biggest, uh, the, the single biggest answer in the pie was other, right? And when <laughs> I looked at a lot of the write-in answers, it was like, yeah, you know, junior goat herder. Uh, region yeah. six right and and it was just like I, I think that you know along with all those insights, I do think that that you know having sort of a, a like an ops team with that kind of research so that you can kind of be there truly in an empowerment capacity across marketing sales and success is super important.
0: yeah, totally and, and yeah I mean I, I have a friend who is a, a wonderful RevOps leader and he just he reports to the controller. Now, like, that doesn't, I don't understand it. I will never understand it. But like, to your point, yeah, like having that aligned to the, like part of that is aligning your RevOps team to your business goals. If they're aligned to some weird title, they're aligned to that person's goals, which which fundamentally misaligns the entire revenue operation.
1: It's a (laughs) totally, well, it's good. Okay. So we've talked a lot about how we empower these teams. Now let's kind of move it up a level and say, I want to ask you, you know, how do customers and buyers benefit from RevOps? What's in it for them?
0: So much. I, <laughs> this is such a hard question to answer. Um, so, the, And I've, I've said it like a billion times in my life, but there's everybody thinks revenue operations. Typically people say, oh, like revenue operations job is to align marketing sales and customer success, right? There's a prepositional phrase at the end of that, which is to the buyer's <laughs> experience, which is right. the most important part of... The, the entire thing, right? And we typically a lot of people chop it off. I don't. I disagree with that entirely. And that and that's strategic, right? Because if, if you think of like we have a bunch of data, that's like one in ten buyers think a seller can actually understand their problem, right? That's terrifying. One in ten buyers think that that's that they if they talk Horrible. to a sales rep, yeah, <laughs> like that's well, how many bad experience who hurt you, you know? Like that's <laughs> it's bad. But and then in sixty six percent say they're they're treated like a number, which. Is why 1 in 10 think somebody can actually understand their problem, right? Like nobody wants that. And, and there's, there's reasons behind that. And they go back to what RevOps provides is that if 66 people feel like they're treated like a number, it's because when that rep calls them or goes to action that deal, they don't have any data informing them on how to treat this person differently, like an individual, based on the wants and needs that they have, right? If I don't have that data at that point of decision, I'm going to treat them like every other person that I've talked to this week. Because I, how, how, right. how else do I know how, right? And right. and so if, if I'm not enabled with that data at the point of decision, that's what happens. And that's what 66% of people are experiencing. Because as a buyer, if you're working with a company who's focused on RevOps, you shouldn't experience that. You shouldn't feel that way because you should feel like they understand your problems. They, they, they came into that conversation knowing the right things to ask you to understand your problem. And that leads to a better conversation, which then leads to building trust and then leads to, you actually thinking they get it and they're a consultative person in the approach. Also then using all of the insights from your best sales calls to inform and train your sellers to actually understand the problems. There's a big difference between asking the right questions and acting like you understand a problem versus actually understanding the problem that you are solving for that person. And all of that comes back to providing them the data providing them the tools providing them the insights that they need to have the conversations that let that be a reality and that's something your revOps team has to
1: hold that's I, I couldn't agree more and I also think some of it a, a lot of work goes into providing a like a consistent experience across all those teams Ugh. right yeah so so good so, so good I, I I mean like just think about not even outside of b2b think about just just like a regular consumer experience. Let's say that, like if you ever bought a car the old way, which is, you know, you, you know, you, maybe you even reserve the car online or whatever you show up at the dealership, all that kind of stuff. You, you know, sometimes you're sitting there for hours, right? And then you'll get a seller coming over and he's on one page And then he'll go away. Somebody else comes over and says, "And says, hey, by the way, like you know, here's the offer, whatever." And we're like, "Wait, where was the guy I was working with?" And they're not on the same page. The deal that they just put before you is maybe not even your deal. It's it's like, or it's a deal without terms that you just negotiated, right? And then you get in front of finance, and it's not there. I think that that same thing happens to a lot of B two B buyers, whether they're talking to support, success, um, sales, and certainly marketing often, you know, marketing, if there isn't a good rev ops uh, presence in place, marketing is sending emails as if that person is not engaged whatsoever and serving up social as if that, that person, that account is not engaged when, you know, they might be close to closing a deal.
0: Yeah, a thousand, a thousand percent, right? And, and every, it so many times that will turn you off. Like, I love your example of the car dealership. That's, it's perfect. So Brandon, who is our, like I said, junior producer today. So he's not going to join, but he already said I'm talking too much. Just so everybody knows in the chat. Um, but, but appreciate that input, Brandon. Um, he and I did this, this is sort of a terrible, an example. Of a terrible experience, but we were sort of working with this company. We, we did a speaking engagement for them, actually. And after the speaking engagement, they sent us emails that said, "Hey, sorry we missed you at our speaking engagement. We were the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what, we, like, what do you mean you missed us? Like, no, we're not going to work with you. Like, this is done. Like, this that that experience is so bad. But but it's like a really simple example of." You gotta know where people are in their relationship with you. And you gotta have that in a way that's usable by sales and marketing. So you don't do that because you will burn that bridge so, so fast. Yeah.
1: And that's
0: and once you've done that, you can never recover from it.
1: You know what? That is a ludicrous example. That's just not just bad. It's ludicrous. But I have to say, <laughs> it's not unique. I've had that happen to me twice. <laughs> right? Where I've even got a call from a rep. You know, and, and they'd be and they, they're. I'm like, are you actually doing a discovery call on me? I was like, <laughs> I actually spoke at your event. I was, right? I was on the panel. What are you talking
0: about? Like, right.
1: Yeah, oh It's incredible.
0: God. I, I, I want to respond and say like, oh, sorry, I missed it. Can I get the recording and see if they'll follow up? I just. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's good. Um, OK, great. So. So kind of moving on, you know, we talk about all these things that 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 you know RevOps can do for for customers, for buyers, for the revenue teams themselves. Let's talk a little bit about operations enablement. Okay. So what things do op teams need to make RevOps happen? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good question. I think there's a lot of a lot of our audience typically, I think, is sort of in this world of trying to do you know, these things and running into roadblocks. And, and I think it's, it's a great question because we've never really dove into what it takes to do this. Um, the first and foremost, most important thing, and I am absolutely certain if Howard Brown was sitting on this podcast with us, he would agree, is executive and organizational buy-in that you you cannot do the things that we're talking about doing unless your organization is bought into doing those things. If your organization wants you to be a sales ops person and that's what they believe that they need is siloed teams, this is impossible, right? Like that that, that is not going to be a thing that powers this. So you need that executive buy-in, you need the organizational buy-in, and that includes aligning your ops team to your business. I talked about it a little bit it's not aligning to sales, not aligning to marketing, it's aligning to the overall business objectives. And, and at Ring D&A, we obviously do that with our own standalone ops team, super, super important. Um, but that can be structured, I'm sure, different ways. I'm sure there's CROs that can support that, COOs, that sort of thing. But um, then, sort of beyond that, because that's, True, but you know, what am I going to do about it? Um, uniform system record. I need, I need a database so that way I can track everything for everybody. That's, that's just true. Very simple. Um, and once you have those two things, then you need processes and tools that power the revenue operations with the data you actually need to create visibility for your teams and create the insights and, and like map those things and read them and distribute them out to the appropriate people. Right. So I need to be able to put Data in front of my sales reps when they need to make those micro decisions. At the same time, I need to be able to put data in front of my management team and my leadership team when they need to make decisions. I need to to have the tech that's not only tracking all that data, but also pushing it out so that everybody can see it. And huge bonus if it has AI capabilities so it can help me come up with what those insights are, because at the end of the day, this is, we're talking about doing a lot of things, and and the mm-hmm. AI component of this is, is no short thing, right? And so something that can say, hey, here's three things you might want to look at, is super helpful for me in a RevOps standpoint, because then I can go look at those things and say, hey, these two are really valuable, let's scale those across the teams, right? And, and that would be like an ongoing thing, right? Like the consistent processes and tools in place to do these things, but tools that are going to actually power your, your system by talking to your system of record, by giving your reps data at the point of decision, by giving your leadership point team data at the point of decision is, is fundamental. You can't do this job without it. That's, that's just the reality. You can't do it well. You can try. I wouldn't do it. I honestly would. Yeah. It keeps me up at night. Um, And and then sort of lastly is you need the impetus to actually affect change proactively. Right? Like it it cannot be a reactive job. You actually have to have the buy-in from the level of allowing you to go in and strategically partner with teams and do these things and and make that a reality. And I I know that's a lot. I've just covered – I've just said a lot of things.
1: It's your manifesto. (laughs) Yeah, a a little bit. But what did I miss? I don't think you missed anything. I, I I think it's great. I think look in summation, I think that look you know if you know given that all of the above is true, right? It, um, I think RevOps team have a gr- teams have a great chance to create better buyer experiences. Make you know, and more importantly though, and this kind of leads into our next section is is helping sales, CX, and marketing really understand what's working. And do more of that, right? Yeah. Or as I like to call it, nail it and scale it. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, new, na- new
0: name for the podcast, the nail it and scale it podcast. TM.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> but but you know, you know, we are gonna ask that question, right? Of other people, like other operations teams, like outside of revenue.io. You know, Well, yep. uh, how, you know, what's a favorite story of yours that, that of of how you helped your team to do just like that? Right, um, but but before we we ask them, you know, what's one of your favorite stories? You know, what comes to mind?
0: Yeah, um, it's a great question. So so it, I think it, it's sort of interesting, right? I think that there's a lot of like home run stories. There's also just minor tweaks are are sometimes like the funnest, sexiest piece of revenue operations. We're like, let's make this like one little minor adjustment here when it comes to like this specific campaign, and then that results in. You know, it's incremental growth. Let's tweak these five things. Let's increase everything by 2%. And that's going to be much better incremental growth. So the, the big sexy ones are a little hard to come by. But I have I have one that I, I always think is quite fascinating. Um, pri- prior, Actually, prior to joining Revenue.io, which I'm now getting right, by the way. Perfect. Nailed it. Um <laughs> I was at a, a company called Social Live, and we sold uh, li- live video streaming software. And essentially, what it did is it allowed you to live stream video to like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn all at once, so you could, like simulcast with editing and stuff. The obvious use case for this being everybody's going to use it for marketing, right? And so the entire approach, the entire organization was oriented around let's sell this for marketing. And we we actually brought on a customer that was a, a gym franchise, and. Sold it as if it was a marketing deal. Never had any idea. They bought it and never once used it for marketing. And we came, we came to find out, you know, like through finding out, gathering insights from the organization. What are our use cases? Like, what, what are what are what are people using us for? And they, they were using us as training software. They had they had decided that they were going to use the recording capabilities of the software to cast out training videos for everybody and training their own trainers. So they had to certify trainers. They had to like do all these things. They had 500 locations. They needed everybody at those locations to submit videos and that they could be reviewed and certified as a trainer to keep the brands tight. And through that, we realized, holy crap, this is a huge market that we are not addressing whatsoever that we're good at. Like we are really good at this. And, and we had no idea. And so, taking that insight, and this is like a really low hanging fruit thing, right? Taking that over to the marketing team, say, hey, marketing, like we need to go after enablement. Like, this is, we're not just marketing anymore. We're going after enablement teams. Like, training and enablement is perfect. And hey, sales, like we're going after gyms. Anybody who's a franchise based organization that has to do training, that's us. Like, that's our bread and butter. And it changed the whole business within like a year 40% of our revenue is from that, from that avenue just absolutely foundationally changed everything about us. And and our product team then, we took it to product and said, hey, like they, we, we, we met with them and said, hey, what, what can we do better as a training and implement software? And they gave us insights. We went to product and had them build those things. We basically fundamentally changed the company based on this and it and it worked. It was awesome.
1: That's a great story. That's a great story. One tweak basically opens up, you know, like a, a huge revenue vein. It's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we probably don't talk about it enough on here. It's why customer success is really important in your revenue operation, because they're seeing the things that are actually being used for and they're seeing what's working and they're seeing what's not working and they're seeing the product improvements you need to make for the things that are working. And that needs to go back to marketing and sales and product so that you can drive your product to create a better buyer experience, frankly. Like it goes all the way back to the same thing.
1: You know, that, that is so true. Um, that actually reminds me of a story too where the same thing. so uh, you know uh, this was a company that had a mix of kind of cloud and on-premise solutions but it required significant kind of deployment like on-site and retail locations and a lot of our strategy ended up getting informed by by believe it or not a piece of research that we were working on. So we knew that we had all this kind of like all this like AI powered data. That would that would point to industry trends that would be very very important uh, to to our buyers, right? So we actually went to our implementation teams, our customer success teams, essentially, and and said, "Hey, here's what the data is showing. What are you seeing on the ground? Can you put this into some you know some some things that we can understand?" And we started looking at it, and we started seeing trends that actually realized, and we realized. Oh my God! Like, there's a gigantic <laughs> opportunity here. Here's three of the best talking points that we never that that just aren't even making it to the rest of the organization, and that completely made. I mean, it led frankly to our best quarter ever. Just amazing. Some of those lessons learned.
0: Amazing, and and now think about now, right? Like, because that that's such a great story of hey, like we were doing research and we came across yeah.
1: this, yeah, for thought leadership. The research was going right. to drive leads for us.
0: Yeah, right. And yeah. and it changes our business. And now think about if you could do that and you had real time. So you could you could then say, Hey, these are the three things we're not doing. Let's put that in real time. Let's like scale this, really scale this using technology across our organization. That impact from that research would have been just a billion exactly. times more, even, right? Like just insane. That's awesome. Such a good story. Alright, so what I want to do next is bring on a couple of guests to share with us their favorite RevOps stories about uh, aligning sales, CS, and marketing. Welcome everybody, and I'm here today with uh, Maria Bross, the North American sales manager at Rock Content. And uh, Maria, thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, today we're talking about all things RevOps, just sort of high level. And, and what I want to hear about, what I'd love to hear your take on is um, RevOps team helps sales, CX, and marketing understand what's working and how to scale it. So, just simply, what's what's one of your favorite stories of of scaling what's working and what's not working across an organization?
2: For sure. So, um, that's always tricky, especially since we're most of our, us are remote now, um, and a lot of us are used to working in the same building together. So, some things have got to evolve and be adjusted mm-hmm. over time. And um, one of the more specific things that I've really loved partnering um, from our sales department with marketing and really helping with alignment and messaging. Right now, at my team, um, we're building out our North American market. It's brand new. We're doing a lot of testing and really trying to determine who is our ideal audience and what's going to resonate with them. Um, so, have really enjoyed working with marketing on developing our unique perspective in the market, uh, testing it, and then. Um, just like overall being on the same page and giving feedback based on cold calls of, you know, what's, what's interesting to our Mm -hmm. prospects. Um, and that way too, that can fuel their eBooks that they're, they're putting out and webinar topics and things. And so, um, we've really tried to band together to ensure that there's not a disconnect. Um, and then on the flip side of that, with the leads that they are generating, um, we put in place this process um, that's super easy it probably takes our demand gen manager five to ten minutes but after any sort of campaign that they're doing whether it's um, after a webinar or they just release an ebook um, before they send any sort of leads over to sales they fill out this this simple google doc of you know who's our target audience what is the messaging what was the main like light bulb moment from the webinar so that sales is better equipped to have a strong conversation with those prospects, um, and then they in turn give deliver the feedback back to marketing. And they're always really interested to learn, so that we can adjust over time. So um, I think that those are probably the two main ways that we've been able to scale what's working and learn a lot from what's not working too.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome. So so from like the the first example, what I'm hearing is using like cold call data, for example to actually say, hey, here's what's resonating when our sales reps are making a cold call. Like, And you have call recordings. You can go pull that. You can go find that information. Here's what's resonating. Hey, marketing, this is what's resonating. Your webinars should be focused on this. Your content should be focused on this. Your ads should be focused on this, right? Because that's going to help us convert more. And then we're, we're equipped on the sales side to have that conversation because we're already having that conversation, which is super easy, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's a, an awesome example of an upstream feedback loop. And then on the the sort of inverse of that is 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 Keeping it really simple is totally fine, right? Like a Google Doc that, or a Google Form that allows marketing to just send you, like, "Hey, by the way, like, we're making this campaign, we're running this initiative. Like, here's all the things we're thinking. We want your feedback on it." Like, sales team, you're going to be the ones that actually have to deal with the results of what we're doing. Like, here's a Google Form. It's simple, but it's totally fine. Like, it's an immediately actionable thing for anybody that wants to have any sort of communication. So, I love that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and anything else you want to add?
2: Yeah, I think you know. I think that's been helpful, um, just because you know that Google Doc that's able to to share those specifics about a webinar. Hopefully, our sales team is able to attend the webinar and learn firsthand. But you know, sometimes they can't yeah. always make it, right? So getting that sort of Spark Notes version really helps equip them to have more powerful conversations on the phone um, and and just make more out of those leads that they're getting because we've all been there I'm sure in in sales I have at least where you've just gotten 20 leads from a webinar and you're like what am i supposed to talk to these yeah. people about like i you know i wasn't able to attend and i have to follow up with these leads very quickly um and so this just just helps us really i think be more efficient in that follow up too
0: You've just said a thing that i think is is the most lovely thing i've heard a sales manager say in a long time which is have the people handling the leads from a webinar attend the webinar, right? Like I think that's, I think that's so often overlooked. I think that's such a, a, like, Oh, like, no, they'll go, they'll go view it later or they'll figure out how to convert the leads. No, they won't. They need to attend the webinar. I love that. That's, that's an awesome requirement. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Maria. It's, it's been awesome. And uh, I'll see you soon.
2: Thanks Jordan.
0: So William, what did you think of Maria's uh, favorite RevOps story?
1: Awesome. That was uh, really interesting. I mean, I, I got to be honest, I'm thrilled because I've never actually heard of an operations team uh, actually acting in that way. You know, I mean, one, trying to help marketing figure out what's working and not working from a messaging perspective, which I really love. Sounds like it's almost, um, you know, fulfilling sort of the analyst role, a traditional analyst role on the, on the marketing team, which is great. Um, but, but, yeah, a couple really interesting things there. Uh, i i I've had experiences in the past where uh, we strongly encourage sales teams uh, to attend the webinar <laughs> because they are being fed from the webinar, absolutely. And I love the fact that that's something that's actually happening and being enforced. I, to me, that would be a, a best practice, um or at least it seems like it would be a best practice. It's a utopia. And I absolutely love that. Uh, I'm also am really intrigued by the idea of the Google Doc. Um, I think pretty often what happens is, say, marketing and SDR teams have that weekly meeting like, hey, what are the leads like from the campaign? And a lot of times you'll have data where say, hey, we're, we're maybe not seeing that many conversions or it looks like those are converting to meetings really, really well. Um, tell me some background information. But what I love about the Google Doc is it gives it gives marketing something really to react to before they go in the meeting, yeah. And, and and then they can actually ask better questions. You know, for example, hey, we're seeing X percentage of a conversion rate to you know meetings from that campaign. Um, but I also saw in some of your notes that some of these people seemed like they were completely the wrong leads. Um, let's talk more about that.
0: Yeah. Totally, no, I totally agree. The mark, the attending webinars thing is is immediately going to be a requirement at, requirement at revenue because it, it's that's right. So good, we're we're immediately implementing that. Um, and and yeah, to your point, like every I think every company does what you're what you're saying is like you know have like a weekly meeting where we'll give feedback on the leads. But the reality is, is you miss so much feedback because of that. It's it's not really scalable. And what happens is everybody waits for that meeting to deliver that feedback, and they forget half of it by the time they get into that meeting. And something as simple as a Google Doc, I mean, that is. Everybody listening can go do that now, immediately, and it's going to give people an avenue to give that feedback in real time to the marketing team. And then you can still have that meeting and talk about it at a more in-depth level. Nobody's blindsided by some feedback; it's actually digging deeper into it so you can make better changes. I love, I love the ideas that Maria brought to the table.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I also think that it could be a, a stair step too. It could be a, a, a like so on the surface, it seems like a bit of a crude feedback loop. But it's a feedback loop, right? What you can do beyond that too is there's all kinds of platforms and solutions that you can get where you can actually send a variety of signals on leads back to the marketing team, and that's just another way of kind of aligning. So,
0: yeah, and it, it's totally in line with what we're doing here. I mean, that's exactly what we're building, right? So it's it's uh, it's right. awesome. I'm here with Asia Corbett, the head of revenue and community operations at RevGenius. And Asia, I want to ask you a question that we've, we've asked a, a handful of RevOps leaders, and I'm super curious your answer. So, RevOps teams help sales, CX, and marketing understand what's working and, and how to scale it. What's one of your favorite stories of scaling of what's working across an org?
3: Yeah, so um, I'm thinking specifically of a time of having to build a uh, custom quote-unquote attribution solution um we didn't have a sophisticated attribution tracking tool to tell us where our pipeline is coming from um in one single place so sales was like i don't know where this deal i mean if they didn't generate it they're like i don't know where this deal is coming from i don't know what marketing things they're interacting with and marketing's like when you know that she's doing her reporting she's like yeah i i think i'm generating this much pipeline that are my programs effective or not. And so once that was kind of prioritized, okay, what do we do? We don't have money to go buy visible. What can we do in the meantime? Um, And so between the two systems that we had, I built sort of a hack to gather all of that information in in the systems from sales or marketing and put it into one field, one source of truth. So that both teams or anyone really who goes into the CRM can see, all right, this is good. this is a marketing generated um, or it was sales generated. And then sort of what are the things that they're interacting with if it was marketing generated? So sales team and sales leadership can see, well, we're getting a lot of people coming from webinars or that's things that they're interacting with or they're downloading a lot of our content on our website mm. and then they're getting into the pipeline. So maybe we should double down on content generation. Um, And then should CX be interested in it and they're living in the CRM too, they can also see, uh, you know, see where people are coming from. So so it's really helpful to be able to have that in one place and not have to go along with different systems or get different views, different fields.
0: Yeah, it's it's like you're you're talking about grabbing, basically identifying in a really simple way. I like you called it hacky. It doesn't sound super hacky. It worked, which is what really matters. Um, ha- yeah, hacky, right. is an, hacky is an important term in the RevOps world. So, yes, it's, uh, lots but of things. Um, but, but what you're talking about scaling is is um, what marketing efforts are working right, and you're you're yep. gathering that information and scaling it across the team by making it available. Simple, simple as that, yep. right? Like I'm I'm putting that into Salesforce that my sales reps know this type of content is actually converting to opportunities. And, and marketing knows yep. that, so they know where to double down their efforts. Exactly. Sales knows what messaging is meaningful to those leads. They know what messaging they should yep. be using in cold outbound. CX exactly. knows what was important to that person when they converted to begin with, so they can target their relationship on solving those problems for that person. It's just making that data, which is yeah. a very, one field worth of data, available to an entire Revenue operation to scale it is, is a really powerful yeah. and easy thing. And then you could build yeah. like a thousand things on top of that, right? Like, like right. hey, this exists, let's run whole campaigns and do all these things. Right. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Right. It's like the one there's one tiny thing you don't think about and you don't think about maybe the work or the effort that goes into it to produce this this one thing that's going to have yeah. the entire Funnel, like the entire go-to-market
0: engine. This is uh, that is such an important note for everybody listening who's not in <laughs> revenue operations. When you say, "Hey, can we just put the last touch campaign on in a field in Salesforce?" It's like a four-day project for somebody <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, and it is yeah, one field exactly. in Salesforce, But it can exactly. be a really big lift, and it yep. can also be really transformational for your business, which I think is the other piece that's super important. So, exactly. Um, Cool, I love the answer. Thank you, Asia, for uh, for dropping in.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Asia, one of my one of my favorite colleagues in the space. I, I'd love to hear your take on, on her favorite rev story, William.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, uh, attribution so important. I, I think that that's that's a great that's a great uh, story right there. Um, I mean, I, I think that's what operations should always be doing. Right, is trying to just help. You know, not just marketing, but but everybody figure out. You know what's what's really working, what's not working. Um, I also think that attribution becomes it's it's important for every business, but for B two B companies that are selling to larger companies, it's just everything, uh, really. I mean, typical sort of like e commerce company attribution is really important like coming in off the lead source, right? But if you're selling to, you know, if you're selling the kind of deals that take like a year to close because they're multi-million dollar deals or at least like six-figure deals, um knowing what uh pieces of marketing content are being engaged with often and frequently during the deals that close and the ones that don't close even is super important. Um it brings to mind something that I always looked at, which is like what percentage of all deals that closed actually had you know engagement with with marketing content? Um, I'd say if you're selling you know deals that are like three thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, you know, I wouldn't expect the engagement to be super high. But if you're selling ones that are really significant, um, I want to see that number be pretty close to hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And and I think what we see here, for example, Ring DNA is pretty typical for B two B or healthy B two B companies. Where, yeah, six figure deal, you're going to see somewhere between if it takes three months to close, six months to close, ten to twelve pieces of marketing content at least, kind of be engaged with with that deal. So, and and that's exactly that kind of metric when you really look at that and you start to see how everything stacks up. That's I think what tells you what's working and what's not working.
0: Totally agree. It, it goes. It, I know it's a metaphor I used earlier on, on a different question, which was, um, you know, like RevOps is, we used to be like making the plane fly, figuring out how to make the plane fly. And now we're figuring out how to make it fly faster and make it fly more fuel efficiently, right? And like, like just fly better, essentially, right? And, and um, something as simple as attribution, if you get it right, which which I wouldn't say it's simple because attribution probably is not something that anybody would ever say is simple. But no. getting it getting it right is so important across your entire revenue operation and making that data readily available for everybody at the point where they need that data, right? So when sellers go to call, they know where this lead came from. When marketers go to pick which campaigns they're going to run, they know which campaigns are being successful. When CS goes to you know, work with their customers, they know where they came from so they know what's important to them. Like It, it feels like a very... Simple thing, but making it available, transparent, and alignment across the entire revenue operation for it will will actually make your company well. Fuel efficient is the right word, right? Like we we have better marketing spend, we have better sales focus. Like it, it is more efficient and and a better way to work. So, I love that I love that she touched on attribution. It's a very hard thing, and so I love that her example was one of what I would say one of the hardest things to do right in revenue operations. But it's it's such a such a good one.
1: Absolutely. I think the other critical thing she said there that I think a lot of people need to hear uh, I, I was going to say a lot of marketers need to hear, but I think everybody is the importance of actually asking the ops team what you know what is the level of effort to do this <laughs> or that, right? Because I appreciate I think you I, so
0: much right now, William. So much.
1: <laughs> Just because like sometimes she is completely right, depending on how you're set up and what the attribution model is, there can be a butterfly effect to adding a field, you know, that makes you have to change a lot of other things. Right. Uh, So and then other things like sometimes I'm surprised, you know, Uh, it's just like, oh, I figured that would be weeks. It's like one switch. So, I but but I but yeah, absolutely like level of effort scoping that and not making any assumptions is just so critical. And I I was really happy to hear her mention that.
0: I I was very happy to hear her mention that. It's also (laughs) a thing that I've I've like I meet with a lot of RevOps folks, and it's a thing that I actually consistently seem to tell people is. You should proactively be transparent about that. Like, there's no problem. I have no problem if if you messaged me for something, saying like, "Hey, that's actually like a three-hour project, so maybe I'll get we'll get to it, you know, by Friday of this week." Like, why not be that level of transparent about what this is and what that looks like? Right? We should be because then it sets proper expectations across the business, and that's that's super important. It's a really important thing. So, so yeah, I loved I loved that piece. I really appreciated her bringing that. Asia always brings the uh, the heat on those. So. Now it's time for how we always end the RevOps podcast. This is the first ever Revenue.io RevOps podcast, and we will make the noise here. It is time for this week on LinkedIn, because we have to keep some things the same. And so this week on LinkedIn, RingDNA, I get to say it this time, announced that they're now Revenue.io. My inbox has blown up. With people asking why this is happening, and so, William, how did you decide to change the name from Ring DNA to Revenue.io, and what does it mean to you?
1: <laughs> well, you know, it, I, thanks, Jordan. I think that um, it's super exciting. We're incredibly excited, and and I think that you know, part of this is the market. Part of this is all the things that we've been talking about, right? And and it's certainly true along our trajectory. When we started as Ring DNA we thought that's the perfect name for the world's greatest sales dialer and all the context <laughs> and and all the insights that you get in from that, right? Like, you know, talk about uncovering what's working and what's not working. You know, from a basic level back in the day, it's it's you know, are my reps calling the right people? What are they saying on those calls? You know, we have all these open opportunities. Are they even getting touched? All those kind of fundamental questions, right? But, you know, what we've seen is, is a market uh, uh, transformation uh, that happened um, toward revenue operations. So, you know, yes, we still offer the world's greatest sales dialer. It's now called Ring DNA, by the way. <laughs> um, um, but it's so much more. It, what we see as ourselves doing right now is really enabling the future of revenue, right? And and you know, our, the data kind of proves that out. So, um, whereas a lot of our customers came in, you know, looking for that single product, maybe with a couple of add-ons the overwhelming majority of new customers now they're looking for solutions that that frankly are going to help them implement revops they want to capture engagement data across sales cx and sometimes support and marketing right they want to they yeah. want to analyze that data deliver it those insights at the point of decision as you talked about before and most critically really serve that up in in moments that matter so we really see ourselves as as you know as you know, making these revenue teams, uh, and certainly sellers as well. Um, just, just much more efficient, much more productive. And, and so, you know, part of this is just really listening to our own customers, uh, and, and, you know, just delivering sort of a brand that is more, um, more embodies, uh, what, what we're delivering today.
0: Yeah, totally. It's, it's, uh, it's aligning our brand to the problem we're actually solving in the in the the tool we're providing, right? Like the platform we're providing. It's we, we power revenue operations. That's what we do. We we right. power your entire revenue operations. We help you scale things across the organization. We help you find insights and make your sales reps better and make your marketing team better and make your CS teams better. And and all of that results in one thing, more revenue. Right? That's <laughs> pretty, right. Pr- pretty simple. Like
1: you're absolutely right. I mean I mean, yes. Things like productivity increases; those are still important to people. Volume is still important to people, right? Uh, but, but ultimately, I think that that you know the world's greatest sales teams want more. They really want us not only to power better productivity, uh, you know, scalable insights, all that kind of thing. They want us to to you know surface and recommend next best actions so um you know just couldn't be more proud to kind of be part of revenue.io a brand that does that every day
0: i totally agree and and uh powering those next step actions is a thing that reps will soon not be able to live without as soon as they've experienced it so so it's it's an exciting thing for sure and yeah same i am proud of the rebrand and proud of everything that the the team has done internally to to make this happen just from a product sales marketing everybody's standpoint really really awesome work i mean anybody who's been through a rebrand also knows how hard that is so kudos to everybody that had huge fundamental pieces of that and uh, any other any other thoughts on this otherwise i think we're
1: we're at time no just just thanks for all your efforts i mean you you've in a ton of effort on this so uh just really excited to move forward same no and and
0: thank you so much for this and everybody Thank you for, for joining in on the this special episode of this. And I know it's a, a whole new format, but I'm really excited to try this out. And uh, William, thank you for taking over hosting duties for a day. It was really fun to just be interviewed. Everybody, please you know, subscribe, review the podcast, share it wherever you can. Feel free to reach out with your questions for this week on LinkedIn and then follow, follow William and, and myself. You don't need to follow Jonathan and Brandon on LinkedIn. Um, sure. and, uh, and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks so much, William.
1: Thank you.